1: fantastic Cut to the Race
3: podcast. Hello, my name is Ryan Mylander and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi,
0: I'm Jordan King and you're listening to Former Formula Nerd
3: podcast. Hi, I'm Brophy, you're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go!
0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the news from the Nerds podcast, your midweek news show brought to you by the team here at the formula nerds uh, over the next half an hour we'll cover all the latest headlines from beyond the grid and pay our tributes to the titan of f1 industry sir frank williams who passed away at the age of 79 on sunday uh, to help me cover all of this we've got the whole gang here this week uh, james how are you
3: i'm all right thanks mate how are you
0: i'm not bad i'm not bad um so for the people who weren't here last week Let's just hear a little bit about you, James. What do you do?
3: So uh, I'm originally from Windsor, like the Queen, and uh, I'm quite a big fan of Lewis Hamilton, also like the Queen, because, you know, she knighted him and all that. Uh, But I moved to Paris at the end of last year because Brexit, amongst other things. And yeah, I have left my boring job behind and trying to make it as a sports journalist over here.
0: Awesome, awesome. And who is your favourite? Is Mercedes your favourite
3: team now? Uh, f- no, I'm more of a McLaren man than a Mercedes More of a McLaren man. Okay, cool. Yeah.
0: Uh, back from last week as well. Abby, how are we?
2: I'm good, thank you. Very cold in the English weather, but I am good.
0: Great. And obviously, again, do you want to tell the people a bit about yourself? Who's your favourite team, your favourite driver?
2: So, I am from Essex, and my favourite driver is Lando Norris, and like James, my favourite team is McLaren. Papaya all the way.
0: Damn, that orange army is getting even bigger, isn't it? Week by week. Uh, And now new to the podcast this week is Grace. Uh, She had a bit of trouble with her microphone last week, but now is back. Grace, how are we?
1: I'm very well. How are you guys? you Good.
0: Yeah, all good, all good. So do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from, what your favourite team is?
1: Well, I am actually from Cheshire, near Liverpool, but I'm up in Glasgow at the moment studying. And I've got to say, favourite driver is Pierre Gasly. He is doing wonders this year. And I hate to break it to you, but you've got another McLaren fan on your hands, because that's my team.
0: Woo. Wow! So no, no other tifosi in the building. Wow. Okay. Well, we'll jump straight in then. Uh, number one topic of discussion this week has obviously been the rear wing testing. Now, the conversation surrounding the wings seems to seems to be season long at this point, um, with arguments you know between Red Bull and Mercedes going on all season long about the legitimacy of their uh, their rear wings. Uh, however, the FIA have now said that the they're bringing in tests to uh, to put a stop to it all, and it'll take. They'll start to take place uh, from the twenty twenty two season onwards uh, to aim and crack down uh, on the grey area of development. James, what
3: are your thoughts? Well, it's been a bit of a saga, hasn't it? Well, so at first it was Mercedes accusing rear, uh, the rear wing of Red Bull, and it flexing. That was around Baku, and then they brought in the new tests, and then standard Christian Horner kind of came back and said, well, what about the Mercedes front wing? And then it all died down a bit, I think, as far as I remember. And then obviously it's now, ever since Brazil, the score marks, score mark gate, it's all just kind of risen again. I don't know. I think it's all kind of something out of nothing. It's them just throwing stuff at each other. Uh, Yeah, a word that I won't use. And I imagine it will just be their, their little kind of regulations that they're adding mid-season that don't seem to be actually making a huge amount of difference
0: yeah i think i'd agree with that i think it's a case of at this point in the season and, and heading into next year with such a big regulation change everyone's got to have it or no one can have it i think that's that's the general rule the FIA are going for mercedes have obviously got a massive straight line speed advantage at the moment uh is it because of the rear wing who knows who knows but um But, yeah, I think at this point during the year, they're bringing in regulations to see, you know, heading into next year, make it as even as possible. Abby, what do you think?
2: I agree. They want it to be even. And with next year and the new cars and that, I think everyone is in the same boat. And I'm just hoping for closer racing and for fair racing.
1: How
0: very diplomatic. Um, (laughs) <laughs> Grace, have you got any thoughts on this?
1: I just thought I'd never heard the terms DRS, rear wing and flexi-wing as much as I did over the Brazil weekend. It was ridiculous. I think if we'd played a drinking game, take a shot every time, I would have been on the floor before the race had even started. But I agree with you all, actually. I think, I think as the, especially because the championship's so close, they're just going to pick apart everything they can. And it's like boxers when they, like, talk each other up before a big fight. They're getting ready for the big fight. So anything they can pick apart, I think they're going for. And that's why I think they've really honed in on the rear wing issue because, as you said, next year it's going to be closer racing. So this is the last last few times they can really alter it as much before it's more regulated in 2022. So I think, yeah, it's it's funny, but it's also quite telling of the way racing is going, especially into next season.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Now, speaking of Red Bull, James, I hear Marco has made some uh, made some statements again.
1: Yeah, everyone's
3: favourite doctor, helmet Marco, it's been in the news again. Unlike him, uh, so he's putting a bit of extra pressure on Verstappen and the team in his own unique way. In a nutshell, he's basically said Red Bull need to improve in Saudi Arabia, considering that Gasly wasn't far behind Verstappen during the Qatar qualifying, uh, and we all know what he thinks of Pierre. So it seems like a, a good time to throw to our resident Pierre Gasly fangirl, Grace. Would you make of it all?
1: I, I don't appreciate the term Pierre Gasly fangirl. I'd say <laughs> leader of the fan club, possibly if there is leader one. Leader
3: of the fan. Okay, I'll, I'll bear that in mind for future. Yeah.
1: You can. They can hire me. Um, I'll send you my email at the end of end of this show. Um, I think, obviously, it's Helmut Marko. He's he, his mouth. He likes to talk the talk, but he needs to show that his team can actually walk the walk. But to be fair to him, it's a correct comment, although it's, I obviously am going to credit Pierre with everything that he's done. The fact that an Alpha Tauri was not far off a Red Bull, which was one of the top two teams, I think, yeah, I think they need to sort it out going into the last two rounds.
3: Yeah. Uh, Bridge, what do you think?
0: I Am I one of the few people... Okay, all credit to Pierre Gasly and and Alpha this year. He's he's done brilliantly, but I um I think I'm one of the few people that think he, he's never going to go back to that Red Bull seat. As I, much I as agree. he as much as he pushes and shoves, he is not getting back in that Red Bull.
3: Unfortunately, I, agree yeah, too. I mean, He's he's shown he's shown what he can do definitely this year, but it seems like he burnt his bridges a bit, or they they communally burnt their bridges. Either way, it yeah. Clearly, whoever they bring in, is going to Max is Max is the main guy, isn't he? And there's always going to be a number two. So maybe they've just decided to go with someone like Perez. Obviously, he's there again next year. Who's happier being a number two and probably better able to deal with the pressure than this, you know, conveyor belt of young rebel drivers that came and got crushed by Max and then, yeah, went back to either AlphaTauri or nowhere.
2: I think that with Max and Gasly they're in they had similar quality times they're in their cars with the same engines but Red Bull is supposed to be better so it, it is worrying for Red Bull to see that Gasly has a similar quality time to Max and I can see where Marco's coming from because Red Bull do need to perform better if they want to win the championship they need to give it all they've got this weekend but I agree. I don't think Gasly will end up back in Red Bull. I think Red Bull's focus is on Max and they need a second driver who is willing to help the team and help Max win. And I don't think Gasly is that man. I think he'll fight for himself.
3: I think you're probably right. I think it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here, Uh, what options he has. People have mentioned Alpine before, but I don't think Alonso is going anywhere anytime soon and... He and Esteban seem to get on pretty well, but but yeah, we'll see. Uh, but speaking of Alpine uh, and their new reserve driver, Oscar Piastri, I think Abby has some news for us.
2: Yes, yeah, so this weekend in Saudi Arabia, Formula 2 are racing alongside F1 and Oscar Piastri, who is currently leading the championship by 36 points ahead of 2022 Alpha Romeo driver, Guyan Zhu. Piastri is set to make history if... He wins the F2 title. F1 drivers George Russell and Charles Leclerc both won the GP3 series and the F2 series back to back. And if Piastri wins F2 this year, he will make history as he did, as he not only won GP3, he also won the Formula Renault Cup before that. And he has said he would be silly to not try and get this title this year. And he is setting his sights on making history. Do you guys think that Piastri will win the title this year for F2?
0: I I think so. Yeah, I don't think he really has any sort of other than Guan Yu I I don't think he has any sort of worries. I think he's he's pretty pretty solidly ahead at this point. He's well established in Formula 2. I'm a little bit disappointed he didn't get that Alpha Romeo seat. Um but uh, yeah, we race we race with money in Formula 1. So that's that's well that's a different issue. But um but yeah, it would be good to see him make history this weekend and hopefully go on and earn a Formula One seat in the near future.
3: Yeah, I echo Bridges' sentiments, basically. Uh, I think he's he's clearly proven himself and, I mean, he seems like he's pretty much at peace from what he's said with the situation he's in. I think it became pretty pretty clear pretty early on that Guan Zhou was going to get the seat, uh, but everyone was kind of in agreement that Oscar probably deserves it more, but his, his time will come. He's he's very young. And then there's, yeah, in terms of his main competition, it seems like obviously he hasn't quite worked out for him this year, but Teo Chair as well was another option, but he'll probably do well with another year. And I think, yeah, Oscar, he's got, he's got Mark Weber as his manager as well, hasn't he? So he's got his connections. Uh, we'll see if he ends up at, at Alpine. Maybe he'll have to wait for Fernando to eventually retire, but, He'll, yeah, his time will come, and I think he'll. He looks like he's got. He looks like he's the real deal.
2: Also, this weekend we have the vice champion of F3 this year, Jack Duhan, moving up to F2 for the final two rounds of the season for MP Motorsport, where he will replace Richard Verschoor, joining former teammate Clement Novelak. What do you think about that, Grace? Do you think we could see Duhan in F2 soon in the future, permanently?
1: Definitely, I think, especially with the development that the feeder series has got now that has become a lot more coherent with just F3, F2 rather than the GPs and the Formula runners. So I definitely think if he performs well this weekend, well this coming weekend and the weekend after that, we could definitely see him in a Formula 2 seat and who knows, maybe he'll be up to F1 in a few years and that'll make him feel really old. <laughs> yeah,
2: it would be good to see him and Piastri in F1. But as you said, Bridge, F1 runs by money and There's a lot of young drivers in F1 on the grid at the moment who will not be leaving anytime soon.
1: So we had some interesting Formula 2 news, so thank you, Abby, for that. But we've also got some news from the FE scene, and they have started their testing in Valencia. So they've got the grid sorted, as we heard with... Obviously, Jovanazzi moving. And they've also got a few new faces. Ticktum, Dan Tickton might be one of them that you would recognise. But yeah, we've got testing. We've got new qualifying. We've got even more power. So I'm not the biggest fan of Formula E, but I'm actually really excited to see how the next season goes because the power outage has been up to 220 and the qualifying started with a new sort of knockout. Like knockout process. So you have two groups of 11 drivers and the top four from each group go through to the knockouts where they can actually use up to 250 kilowatts rather than 220. In that knockout, the winners of each one versus one will go to the semi-finals, and then to the finals with the grid being made up as times would relay to the so the placement of it. So, what do you what do you guys think about that? What do you think about that, James? The new qualifying, the new new drivers. Yeah,
3: I think it sounds. It definitely sounds like an improvement. On, a, I've watched quite a few of the the qualifyings this year, and it was just a bit of a mess. It seemed to be very dependent on luck. Who got out the right time? Uh, I think Formula E themselves acknowledged that they needed to work on it. And yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, we've seen F one. Change their qualifying format many times and sometimes definitely for the worse but yeah I think it sounds it's definitely got potential that that knockout system I think it sounds pretty interesting uh, and yeah well time will tell but I think it looks good
1: yeah, I think, it, I think it sounds really exciting. Very something to keep you glued to, like the excitement you get at the end of Q3 and F1 when you, it's the last few seconds. Hopefully it can get that exciting when it gets to the final. What, what do you yeah, think, Bridge? Didn't.
0: I think the closer we bridge the gap between Formula E and Formula 1, the better it will be for everyone. You know, the, the, like you said before, the cars are getting quicker now. That was my main complaint with Formula E before, where it was more like an upscale version of go karting rather than actual motorsport. Um, so I think the faster the faster the cars get, the, the more action there is, and it's not just a you know upscale merry go round. Um, it, it'll be it'll be awesome, and I, th- I think if they introduce more things like they have, you know, with this qualifying, I think we could see a really really cool and exciting event. Uh, which, would be, which would be really nice.
1: Um, some more actual circuit racing, because originally they've been purpose-built for the races, and so we're going back to Valencia, where they have raced in Season 7, and do you think that would be a benefit to some of the former F1 drivers who have actually raced there, such as Giovinazzi or Stoffel van Dorn? What do you think, Abby?
2: Well, I have to admit, I haven't actually seen many Formula E races in that, but Going back to circuits, I think it will provide the former F1 drivers, like you say, Gia Benazzi and that, with with more of an advantage. They will, if they're some of the tracks that F1 have raced on in the past, it would be good. But I think the closer that they bridge the gap, like Bridge said, between Formula One and Formula E, and the circuits can help do that, I think it will be better and more fans will be more inclined to watch it. And... If there's more fans, then there's more of an audience and more of an atmosphere for the drivers, which will hopefully provide for very exciting races.
1: That's so true. And especially as the future is going electric, we need to get more fans watching it, more of an audience, because I'm hoping it's exciting. I'm wishing it is.
3: Yeah, definitely, Grace. And uh, yeah, so we will be back in the second half after a quick ad break uh, with uh, a bit of a, a memorial to the great Sir Frank Williams. See you in a minute. Support for the Cut to the Race podcast is brought to you by
0: Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Law Mower 4.0. You heard it right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. With this exclusive offer just for Formula Nerds listeners. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FormulaNerds at manscaped.com. That's code FormulaNerds at manscaped.com. Obviously, we had the tragic news uh, this past Sunday of the passing of a Titan. Uh, We had the passing of Sir Frank Williams, uh, who died surrounded by family and friends at the age of 79. What a career! In motorsport, probably one of the greatest of all time. Abby, who, what is your favourite moment from from this man's life?
2: Well, I saw a phrase earlier. There was tragedy, and there was a lot of triumph. And one piece of triumph for me was my favourite moment it was 1992 with Nigel Mansell. Now, it was a 16 race season, and Mansell won the first five races for Williams and he became the first ever driver in history back then to win nine races in a single season. And that year, Williams scored, sealed the Drivers' Championship and the Constructors' Championship. And for me, that was just amazing because they won it with five races still to go. They won it in race 11. And I just loved that then. But what was your favourite moment, Bridge?
0: I think my favorite moment for him happened off, off the track. Um, obviously he had a, a horrific car accident in 1986, uh, driving away from the Paul Ricard circuit in France, uh, that left him, that left him paralyzed. But instead of, you know, as most of us would do, you know, grieving and, and, and just being down about it, he, he was unimaginatively you know positive. He was just incredibly positive. Um, I found a quote earlier that he said to his wife, um, which was, uh, as I've seen it, I've had 40 fantastic years of one sort of life, and now I shall have another 40 years of a different kind of life. And after that, he led Williams to seven more Constructed World titles and five more Drivers World titles, which is just, it's just incredible. And, you know, a 50-year career in F1 is nothing to be... You know, it's just incredible. You hardly see that ever. So he he will always be a hero to me. Uh James, what, what about you?
3: Yeah, I totally agree. He was Titan is the word. That was a good choice of word. It's it's a real loss for the sport. Um obviously Williams family have now kind of moved on in in all but their name. Uh but Sir Frank was such a, an important figure and he was, yeah, I think he was the the longest serving team principal in the history of the sport. Yeah, he's basically irreplaceable, but it's, it's nice that, uh, obviously, the, the Williams name is still there. And as for my favourite moment, um, now I'm, I'm not quite as young as you guys, so I can just about remember a time when Williams was, the, they were the class of the field. So I'd say Damon Hill, 1996. He was... You know, it was two years after he so narrowly missed out with that controversial clash with uh, Schumacher in Adelaide. So it was, it was a real case of redemption to see him come back and get his title. And said so that is pretty much my first memory of the sport, I think. And yeah, uh, then he got uh, he got booted out in '97, which is yeah a fun fact. I think that's something that Sir Frank seemed to like to do for all their success in the '90s. I think Jack Villeneuve winning in 97 was the first uh, driver to then defend his title in a Williams. PK won in 87 and then went to Lotus. Mansell left after 92 to go to IndyCar to be replaced by Prost, who won it and then retired. And Damon Hill left after 96 to go to Arrows. So, yeah, it was... It was... Shame he wasn't there to defend it in a Williams, but I think it it was a great time for the sport and... It was yeah a great team that is thankfully still around today.
0: It's definitely it was definitely a scene of greatness. You know when you think and look at all the, all the drivers that that drove a Williams over the years and drove it to a championship, it's just the list is just incredible. um Grace, what about you?
1: Well, I, Abby, you stole mine because I I love I love a bit of Mansell, but I was <laughs> thinking of something a bit more recent, a bit more at the forefront of our memories. And it was the most recent Williams podium with Russell and their points that they got when they got their points in Hungary. That, I think, to any any fan, whether you're a Williams fan or not, I think it touched a lot of people because you saw the hard work that went into it, the years, the seasons without points. And I think it was just very telling as to how hard the Williams team are still... Working to achieve greatness, and although the Williams family have stepped away from the team, I think it was very, very fitting that Frank still Sir Frank still got to see a podium, a final podium, and especially with an up and coming youngster, which is also like it reminds you of oh, the talent that Williams have produced, like Rosberg and Button. Two semi recent ones, they started their careers there. Sir Frank Williams gave them their ticket, they gave them their drive, and without him in the opportunity to give them a seat who knows whether they would have become the world champions that we know them for so yeah i think the most recent podium and just the exciting talent that they've produced as uh, a big memory
3: yeah i agree and uh, hopefully they can honor his memory by moving even further forward next year in the new regulations to to quote a great man and fittingly considering my favorite moment was damon hill uh i think i'll have to stop now because i have a lump in my throat so i think that's about all we've got time for this week so thanks for joining us and uh yeah it's it's great to have you here now that we've actually we've got grace as well now that her microphone's finally arrived uh so any or complaints to to hermes for that other careers are available. We've got some exciting ideas for new features in the coming weeks, so stick around for that. And uh, we'll be hoping to get you guys involved as well. Uh, but also check out our main podcast, Cut to the Race, which is which we'll also be reviewing what which should be a crucial race in Saudi Arabia, one way or another, on Sunday and before that head over to the Formula Nerd site because we'll be doing live updates for all the weekend sessions there is of course all the latest news and hot takes like Bridges article a couple of days ago which declared that Max will win the title on Sunday definitively Uh, but yes so head over to find out why he's so sure about that and then make sure to come back next week and we will see you all then cool see you guys next week see you
2: next week
3: see you all next week see you then nerds over and out.
1: Cast network.